Very welcome back. It's uh, season four, episode 29. It's our PFRI Awards special. I myself, Johnny Ward, and Dan McDonald, Stephen McGuinness, Pico Lopez, Danny Grant, and Mark Doyle form uh, a quartet of a very packed show today. Thanks to our sponsors, Lotto Land, where you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSE Electricity League Premier Division season. Check out lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook, and you will find us at Podcast Republic, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, at LY Weekly on Twitter in association with Air Sports and Independent.ie. Now, if we have been uh, quote unquote missing in action over the last couple of weeks, there were a few reasons for that, but missing in action is quite apt actually because Dan uh, has only become a dad since we were last on, and his very, very beautiful daughter Mia um, is partly the reason why he's kind of abandoned work probably for the first time in about 20 years. Dan, give yourself your daughter arrived and you were able to take a bit of time off. And may I just uh, extend my hearty congratulations on the big news? And uh, now we can get back to. Uh, football and all that I guess you're a good man John yeah well I did actually on the last show now that sort of 10 minutes I recorded uh, by video was actually outside the rotunda around 3 in the morning uh, <laughs> while she was in the early stages of labour inside and mm. uh, I was sent out in Covid times you obviously can't be there the whole time so uh, that was the dedication to the show because it was like the final night of the league um, the, the Monday night and uh, I did suggest at one point going downstairs to record maybe the podcast for 15, 20 minutes, which didn't go down very well because she had just started going into labour at that stage. <laughs> that is um, So right. we, we actually went into, so we went into the rotunda at half time in the games and uh, she went in for 15 minutes while I was sort of watching, you know, what, what was the game, the Finn Harps Waterford game and stuff like that. And then got, <laughs> and then got sent home. So it's, it feels like the two like overlap that uh, my desire to watch the games and record the pod uh, maybe has come up a couple of times since is a bit insensitive in the circumstances. <laughs> anyway, she's alive, she's healthy, and we're here, so uh, we we can we can get on with the show. Yes, and um, and she uh, she certainly came in with a proper good head of hair, but which brings me nicely to Pico Lopez. You can't actually <laughs> see him at the moment, but Pico, this has gotten a bit out of hand. Yeah, look, yeah, it's something that probably uh, the, the fruit of lockdown, you could say, the first one, and um, I saw the grow the hair out. And then I just decided to stick with it for, for just really my own purpose. I enjoyed it and I'm getting a bit sick of it now. So the barber's going to open up quick enough and come Friday now, a lot of it will be gone. Well, Do you have any kids yourself? No, no, none at the moment, no. So, Steve McGuinness, can you relate to Dan's um, trying to juggle the, the professional life and obviously the birth of his first uh, daughter and so forth? Yeah, we would have been in a similar position to, to Dan. We play. I was playing with Dundalk. We played Shamrock Rovers in at Richmond Park, and um, we, I was racing across to the rotunda, left the wife to go and play the game, and then came back. Thankfully, she hadn't had the child at the time. Uh, we got absolutely tumped. Um, we had three sent off, and we were beaten. I think it was four 0 by uh, by Shamrock Rovers that night. So, uh, so funny. There were the memories I had of the birds. Uh, happy memories. Happy memories. Were you yeah. on show with us when Chris Shields had to do a Lego because his wife was, was possibly going yeah. into labour? Yeah. So, we, seems to be a team of our PFAI team shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about November. Um, like, so, Stephen, you're here with us, obviously, to um, it's sort of the annual show around the uh, your end of year awards. But obviously, it's a different year this year in every sense and in, in every aspect of, of our lives. So, Maybe tell us what you're doing this year because we, we don't have the, the big black tie event that the players look forward to. Like everything we're adapting to a digital world. Yeah, you're right, Dan. And, and, and things have changed, unfortunately. But I think one of the things that it, from, from our office and 
and from our management committee, what they wanted to ensure was that there was an event and the players um, were recognised for the achievements this season. I think you look at some, some other player associations and they haven't done that. They, they're going to leave a gap and I don't want COVID to leave a gap in their awards and a gap in our, uh, in our lives. So uh, we've decided that we're going to live stream the event on, uh, on the 9th a half 12 and the, the links will be set, sent through our social media platform. So Darren Maloney will MC it. We have a, a trial run of it on Monday. So it's something new to us, Dan. So hopefully it goes, it goes according to plan. But uh, yeah, look, it, it's just very important. I think that the players, they've gone through a huge amount uh, in the season just gone. And uh, I think they deserve to be recognised for, for, for their achievements. And it's important from our perspective to put on and do the best that we can do in the circumstance that we've got. So what instead of, where normally we would come on here and we'd announce teams of the year and all the rest. We're going to announce the Premier Division, Force Division and Young Player of the Year. And then on the 4th uh, of December, we'll announce the Force Division Team of the Year and the 7th leading up to the 9th. Because obviously we need content each day. So building up to, to, to the live streaming event then on the 9th. So, so, so I mean, I think did, did some people will be aware already of the, the shortlist for the players and obviously the fact that uh, Pico was here with us, you know, suggests that he's in the running for uh, the main award. But if you want to yeah. give us yeah. your, your shortlist then for Premier, First Division and Young. Yeah, so Premier Division, the, the shortlist is Roberto Lopez, uh, Danny Grant and Jack Bourne in the Premier Division. In the First Division, Brandon Cavanagh, Mark Doyle and Yo-Yo Maddy. And for the young player, it's Dawson Devoy, Danny Grant and Brandon Cavanagh. So it's, okay. it's, it's interesting, there's a kind of a cross-pollination there as well with Danny Grant in twice and Brandon Cavanagh in twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The award it, it is interesting. The, the young player of the year award is one with the most votes because the young players is voted for with both both players in both divisions. So you can have that crossover of obviously players in the first division voting for a young player out of that division. And look, it's it's a great achievement from from Danny to be to be voted for both the senior and uh, and the young player. What's the age on the young player, Stephen? So the young player is 20, 23 is the is the is the age bracket that we have. So it's twenty three uh, and below. So uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it 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 covers it. It depends. Like then some people could argue that it should be younger because the average age. Look at Bohemian's team last year. I think Bo's average age was twenty twenty four. Was the average age of the player at the team, not just the youngest player. So uh, so yeah, look, that that's the age that we that we have at the moment, and that's what that's what's gauged on. Because I think a lot of people will look at that and say Brandon Cavanaugh would be maybe the a slight surprise, but as you mentioned, it's the it's the fact that the first division players can vote on it without giving too much away. That's obviously something that's given him a a, a significant array of votes, shall we say? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and, and look at that. I suppose it shows you sort of uh, from our perspective, Dan. There's a huge amount of work gone into this voting. Like this is. Mm. It's, it is every club gets exact same amount of votes. Uh, they must give us the exact same amount back so that's fair to everybody because there's no point in one club having eight votes and another club sending in 15 votes. And does it there's a differential there? So we ensure that everything is is above board and it's done accurately in the best that we can do it. So as I said, uh, we're de- we're delighted from from our perspective with the with the amount of work that's gone in from the office. Dan, like, I can't tell you how much work Simone, Emma, and Ali have put in. Uh, it's actually more work in doing a live stream than going to the going to the market. To be honest, the I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. far easier uh, or to organise. I have to say than than trying to put this on. But look, it's a uh, it's it's about the players and it's about recognising them, and that's it's important that we put as much effort into it as we possibly can. So, so Pico, so Pico, sorry. I mean, you're you're. I mean, for you personally, I mean, you've attended these awards and and watched these awards over the years and and so on. To be in the top three, to be voted in the top three by your peers, it must be a, 
must be a proud moment. Yeah, it's it's an incredible feeling, and I'm and I'm honoured to be considered nomination. Even like I think the top quality players that are in this league, and to be amongst the, the top three, like it's it's a massive moment for me, and I'm I'm, I'm honoured to be in there. Like, and it's unusual, I suppose, you could say, for a defender to be amongst the nominees, um, and yeah, just to be up with that caliber of player, it's a, it's unbelievable, really. Mm. That, that that's a very fair point as well about the defender because um, we tend to focus obviously on the likes of Jack Byrne Danny Grant has had a brilliant campaign you can name a load of other forward or midfield players and uh, your your progression and um, I suppose your performances in Europe as well this season you've you've certainly come to the limelight yeah well like as you say like I'm still a bit baffled obviously because uh, like there's been some uh, incredible talent on display like Jack has been unreal again this year I think he took it to another level which I didn't think was possible after last year and even Danny Grant like I think he's, he's really dragged both teams in, in, in certain games and he's he has that flair that just catches the eye and been exceptional and he's like you can name one or two others like uh, for myself I just try to, to do my job for the team and try and get the players around me playing well and and obviously some people thought that was, I've done a good job with this year like so uh, it's just it's just incredible and it's great to be involved with the, the top the other two players but do you feel in yourself I mean you you Listen, sometimes players don't need to be told they've had a good season. They, they'll know themselves. I mean, do you feel yourself that you've gone to another level this year? You know, do you feel that you've, you've, you've found the level yourself? Yeah, I think um, obviously after winning the cup final last year, that that, um, that sense of confidence uh, was definitely there in me. And then approaching the start of this season, I think it was a bit more calmer in my mind. And obviously, we, we knew how to win in big games. Like, and that was, that's a huge part of, of how my, I play my game. Obviously, if the team is playing well, I like to think I'm you, or I'm really, if I'm playing well, the team are playing well. Like I should say, like because uh, I'm only as good as, as the team and the players around me. Like uh, so, obviously winning that cup last year, massive confidence boost, and being able to come into the season like with that behind you and really attack the season, and the confidence of knowing how to win games has, has definitely helped me. The the one thing we uh, I'm just going to speak about a couple of your teammates, and I think the one thing about the closed doors experience that maybe as journalists and those who are lucky enough to go to games get. You get to hear a lot more of the vocals than you would have in the stadium where there's like five, six thousand people there. And just watching that Rovers team, like I think it's really it comes across now what an influence someone like Joey O'Brien is. Like I know that you would be quite vocal yourself, but it's really noticeable someone like Joey, his steady and influence. Like what what's he been like for you as a defender, even just to watch someone like him, a professional like him? Yeah, Joey's been top class since uh, since day one since he came in, and and you're dead right. Like I think you, you can hear him from training, and even like how loud he is and how vocal he is, and it just switches everybody on and keeps everybody on it. And in terms of the ability uh, that Joey has, it's it's second to none. I've, I've never seen him been been done in a game, and just his class on the ball, it, it just really gets us playing. But as you say, his voice is so important because we could be defending high up like in the opposition fullback and you can hear him scream in the press and it's just switching everybody on and make sure everyone's on it like so to have that in a, in a team like it, it's, it's vital mm. It's been interesting as well I suppose just recent weeks to see the the likes of Reese Marshall come in um, and you're looking at even if you're looking ahead to next year you're looking at the likes of Farouja as an, uh, and, and Brandon Kavanagh coming back in on the left Ronan Finn's been playing on the right um, obviously, Joey O'Brien can play on the right, and then you have Marshall coming in. Yourself, Scales has come in a lot and played, and then obviously Lee Grace. And there's a hell of a lot of competition already for next season, whatever your formation is going to be. Yeah, there's, there's serious competition in the team, and it's, it's, it's credit to the gaffer and getting the, the right players in to really they drive up the standard. Like, and I think Grace has been unlucky this year that 
like Finn obviously has been flying in the same position and Finn has been in quality again like and it's the captain of the club but any time Reese has come in he, he's, he's done really really well I think he's done an excellent job there on the weekend in the, in the semi-final like, and I uh, de- definitely think there's, there's more to come from Reese because he's a smashing player just, just another uh, thing as well. Sorry, Dan. Just, just a, it's quite staggering that like four Sean Covers players were in international squads recently. Um, three in the Irish squad, and obviously two. Uh, uh, Jack, Jack being quite prominent in in those in that game as well, and yourself being involved with Cape Verde getting calls call up to their squads, um, which is a really remarkable thing for a League of Ireland team. Yeah, it, it's incredible, and, and it's great to see. And I think. Um, obviously, hopefully, it can be more of a common team going forward. Like the, the lads have shown how good they've been this year. Like likes of Brookie and, and Aaron Mack. Obviously, Jack Jack has been there before. Like and not taking away from Jack's quality, he probably deserves to be there more often and maybe playing. Like, but I'm delighted for the likes of Graham and, and Macker as well. They've worked so hard this season and have really shown the quality. And I think it like it's not really shocking when you say like we've gone undefeated in the in the league this year and them two boys have been. Like a big part of that, like, and they're in form, like, so why not give them the opportunity? Like, just want to lose. Stephen, like, as a as a defender yourself, as a ex defender yourself, I mean, you're probably always watching defenders in the league, you know, and their development closely. I mean, can you speak about how uh, Pico has improved from even the player he was at Bowes and, and early Rovers to what he is now? Yeah, I, I think he, he's matured massively. Uh, I, I would have seen him playing at Bowes. He played in midfields, and uh, I, I think he's he's matured. And, and just some of the stuff as well off the fields. He, he's our vice chairman of the Players Association at the moment. He would have been one of the leading voices in regards to the Black Lives Matter and the, and the players taking the knee before the game. He's headed up a campaign for us with the schools um, himself, Sean Gannon, Anya O'Gorman and others have worked with the schools with Show Racing Red Card. So there's a bit more to Pico than just as a player. He gives a huge amount off the field as well. And uh, and his his development as a player hasn't come as a surprise to anybody who would know him or who's been watching him. He's, he's become a more powerful figure. He looks a leader in that team now. And... Uh, it's, I suppose, it's just where, where, where the club goes next and where he goes next, I suppose. I mean, we'd love to see the likes of, of Shamrock Rovers getting into group stages of, of Europa Leagues and, and, and being, I, I suppose, from a professional point of view, uh, driving the whole game on. But uh, as I said already, he, he's not just a credit on the pitch, he's a credit off the pitch. And that's something that, uh, that we, we don't take it for granted as well at the association with what he's done for us as well. And, and, and we appreciate it. But as a defender, I don't think there's many better in the league. Yeah, I, there's a couple of league-wide issues we want to discuss in a second. But maybe just before we discuss that, I mean, it's it's a it's a big week for you, Pico. And you've had a strange one, actually, really. I mean, you've had the, the great uh, honour of being called into the Cape Verde squad, the national team you were away. But then you had the issue with your flight home and someone had COVID in the flight home. So you were sent into a, a mini quarantine. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Obviously, like the experience um, in Cape Verde and Rwanda, where we we travel over to play the return uh, fixture, like it was fantastic. Like, and everything was done right in terms of we were tested. I think before we left, and then four times when we were over there, uh, so and everything was really like like spot on from a, a COVID point of view. Um, and then I I came back and I was across the country again to Bally Buffet. Uh, felt like longer than coming home from Rwanda, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously playing. Playing the game and dug a little uh, a win there, uh, luckily against Ben Harps. And then, yeah, kind of continued the week as normal, trained as normal. And then the day before uh, we were due to play Sligo, uh, I had a missed call um, around Saturday afternoon um, and I rang the number back and it was the HSE. Um, so a voicemail, I was thinking, oh, 
what's this for? Like, and then I couldn't get through to them. And then I had a message there saying that I was a close contact of a of a positive case. Like, so uh, straight away I, I, I rang the manager, I rang a club doctor, and asked for advice. And unfortunately, meant I, I missed out on the, the semi final on on Sunday. Um, but because this happened um, on the 19th where my flight home was, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm already a good chunk into my uh, quarantine and should be available then for the final. Yeah, that's it's, it's obviously a bit of a shock, like, you know, but, um, but it's, it's, you know, you, you, obviously, you obviously feel fine. I mean, the, the, the experience of being involved around international football, I mean, what, what, what's that been like? I mean, even just on a personal level, like to, I suppose, to connect with that side of your family as such, you know, or to, to, to be representing that side of your family, it must be a very uh, special thing. Yeah, I'm very proud to, to represent the uh, Cape and family, like uh, especially me dad. Like obviously, growing up, probably I didn't take as, as much interest in it as I probably should, and, and realize like where my heritage is. Like, but over the last few years, like I really, really delved into it, and to be able to represent my family uh, playing for the national team, it's it's just a, an incredible feeling. Like, and then obviously you're, you're going over to these um these games like in Africa where I'd never thought I'd be able to go see like these countries. Like Rwanda was was absolutely beautiful. And then you're with a group of players who play all over the world, and and just seeing the culture and how they how they interact, it's just it's just brilliant. And then from a football uh, perspective, the quality is, is is even higher again. Like so, you're you're learning every day. Like and it's just great to be a part of. Yeah, like what are the lads like? I mean, are are, are a lot of them similar to yourself, and that like you know they grew up in other countries, and or, or like what's what's the breakdown like of 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 the squad? Yeah, there's a lot of them obviously um, would have been very few, I think, um, were born in Cape Verde and then obviously moved out there. A lot of them were, were born, say, in the likes of Holland and Portugal and France yeah. uh, with, with Cape Verdean parents. Like, and that's where they kind of played their football in, in them countries. And then uh, a lot of them come the real I have, where I've declared later on in, uh, yeah. in, in life. Like, but uh, it's, it's a great group of players now, I have to say. The quality is really high. Like, and the teams that they play across Europe really shows that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it seems like it's quite a profound experience as well, visiting completely different parts of the world and and Africa, obviously, like like Rwanda. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, if you, if you ask me, like, if I wasn't playing for Cape Verde, would you fancy a trip to Rwanda? I'd probably never go. Like, it's just mm. and the fact that I went there. I didn't know what to expect. Now going there, I was a bit worried in a sense, but it was an absolutely beautiful country, a fantastic experience, and and just being able to to say that I've been there, I've seen it, and. It's just, it's just incredible to tell the stories that happened there. Just in, in relation to, I suppose, your season as well at home, um, you know, I, like I, when, when Shamrock Rovers played Milan, it was, it was one of these great kind of things that people who don't watch the League of Ireland are necessarily that often are going to watch it. And I remember my brother, who would be a massive Liverpool fan, but he's texted me after the game, he said, geez, your man Lopez was unbelievable for Rovers, I thought. <laughs> and what did you think yourself? It was like, you, you got the... Uh, Dan was on about um, hearing lads in the ground. Like, I could actually hear Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I don't know what language he was talking about, but I could hear him talking <laughs> to the players that night. And you were up against him and, uh, geez, more than held your own really yeah it, it was a fantastic experience but it, it's one of them you, you, you don't want to kind of play the occasion before it actually mm. happens so it was kind of just focusing on the job ahead like and like from the off like he, he was kind of he was at me like trying to get in my head and I was just trying to just switch off like he's Ibrahimovic to, yeah yeah he so was he was like, the one trying the gamesmanship with you like yeah, he was trying to kind of like just take me out of focus and just trying to get the, the better of me I was just trying to focus on the job at hand and then uh that's all. That's all he can do with that because I can't really say anything to him that he probably hasn't heard before. Like uh, as the game went on, then 
got a bit frustrated and we had a bit of exchange then afterwards. But it was just, it was just fantastic. Like, this is one so, of the best little anecdotes I've ever heard in LOI Weekly. How's Latan trying to get inside the head of a Shamrock Rovers defender to, <laughs> to ruffle him? Like, uh, yeah. I, I love it. What, what did you actually say to him in the end? <laughs> but it, 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 uh, the one thing I, I can't really repeat what you said to me. But uh, the likes, I think, uh, just before they scored, I, I think I clipped his, uh, his ankle and he wasn't happy about that. Like, so after they scored, he was like, hey, come on, you don't kick me no more. You don't kick me no more. And uh, we walked away and actually he was just like, come on, do you want to hold my hand? Because I was getting really tight to him and he was getting a bit frustrated. He's like, come on, do you want to hold my hand? Come on, go walk and hold my hand. Uh, I think Joey O'Brien got it as well. I think he asked, he told Joey O'Brien he can cut his, uh, he can cut his garden over in LA. Like so, uh, <laughs> he, was, he was very vocal on the pitch, like, but not necessarily to his own players. <laughs> the, the, the quality of him, like, was it was it totally off the charts? Because I was trying, to, like, I spent a lot of the game just looking at him, the way his movement. Because for a guy who obviously is very, is, is very old by professional football standards he was just strolling around the pitch what was it like being in proximity to him you know like what you see is what you get like on, on the tv like i suppose like you know what quality he has like and obviously he's, he's a massive man so like he's so physically imposing like so in terms of like getting involved in in strength battles like you're better off just kind of maybe letting them have it and hope that he he lays it off backwards like but what really caught me off guard is how sharp he was i think he, he laid off a few passes and he just started in behind you and he was like our man, he was 38. I know he's turned 39 recently to get up to that speed so quickly. Like, and like he was leading people behind them was, was really impressive. Like, so like the athlete that he is, it's, it's incredible. And then to have all that sort of skill and attributes with him, he's a smashing player and definitely the best I've ever come up against. Yeah, mm. I, I, it was mar- marvelous times. Um, so the cup final. This this is this is brilliantly brilliantly set up after McElhenney's performance against that loan. I know McElhenney um, was you know playing against team team inferior to them, but I I got a real buzz down for this game watching Dundalk strut their stuff in recent weeks. Particularly uh, in recent weeks, I think the Athlone game now. To be fair, like very good against Bowes as well. No, they were very good against Bowes. I mean, it, it set it up. I mean. Like it's it's a funny one this, and we can say this, and and maybe others can't, but it does feel like it's the top two teams in the country still. As much mm. as Bowen is second, I think what Dundalk did to Bowes in the semi final showed what they can do on their on their day. So I mean, we 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 go back to that game in in what was it? It's like a different time. Was it March? You know, February with the the seven thousand people in Tala and the three two, and probably one of the best League of Ireland games in recent memory. And we're probably hoping for more of the same on Sunday. I mean, like from your perspective as a, as a player, Pico, I mean, is there's still something about these Dundalk games, I think, is there? Like they are still a team that you want to you want to take down. Yeah, 100%. And I think if you look at Dundalk over the last few years, like what they've done in the league, like it, it's a fantastic achievement. And you can never underwrite them. Like they've had a bit of a, a fall this year, like but they're still a top, top quality side and they've showed that, as you say, in recent weeks and even through the night, like the, the confidence that'll be flowing through them now coming into this final league. So you, you can't underestimate them, Doc. Like, yeah, the quality, quality side and they've shown that over a number of years and they're capable of, of turning teams over at ease, like at any stage. So like we have to be right on it. I mean, you're so used to the closed doors thing now that it's maybe it's not a talking point anymore. But at the same time, you know, going to the Aviva, you'll have your memories of last year and I'm sure you had special memories of I don't know, friends or family or whoever it was that was there. And it's a big old stadium and yet there's no one there on Sunday. I mean, how do you feel about that that side of things? 
yeah, obviously, I'm probably used to it now. Like, but I think um, always when matches start, like you, you zone out. Like, you just focus on the on the game. Like, and because as far as the the atmosphere, not that it's lost on you. Like, but you you, you can't focus on it because once you start focusing on the atmosphere, like your head goes out of the game. Like, and mm. so like I think I think to be just more focused on the game and doing our jobs. Like, and obviously afterwards, whatever may happen, like that's when you kind of you take it in, like and you soak it in, and the atmosphere, and you realise what a great day it was. Like uh, last year, like so. Uh, the unfortunate the fans can't come there and pack it out again and be there to support us. Like, but uh, we have to be professional and, and do our jobs about it. Mm. Like, I suppose it's it's in your nature to um, to impose your style on every game. I mean, I guess that's got to be the plan for Sunday again. I mean, you're not going to be giving us your tactics, your game plan, but that is the the Rovers' way of doing things at the moment. Is just do what you normally do. I guess it's it served you pretty well thus far. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we we try to stick to our principles in any game. Obviously, I think the Finn Harps game is an exception where you do have to kind of play the conditions at time. But no, we try to play uh, to our strengths and what we have in this team. Like, and that's obviously walking the ball like uh, through our midfield and trusting the players that we have. Like, so uh, yeah, look, we'll we'll be showing up Sunday, uh, backing ourselves and doing what we do. Like, and I'm sure it's not going to be doing the same. Mm. Stephen, from a neutral perspective, Stephen, <clears throat> what what's your what's your take on on the final as a you know, after what's been a difficult season, let's be honest, and we'll maybe talk about that in a second and, and, and 2021, but like you're just hoping we finish on a bit of a high, really, because it is it's still a massive, massive audience, even if there's no one in the stadium. Yeah, I still think it's the biggest individual day of the year, obviously. And uh, and I think we've got arguably the two best teams on form at the moment in the country playing against each other. And the cup finals of the last number of years have been have been really good. And last year's final was great. So I think Dundalk, it, sometimes coming into these games, it's, it's who wants it a little bit more than... And I just wonder, is from Dundalk's point of view, there's a lot of Europa League uh, games under their belt, lots of miles in the legs, and there'll be another Europa League game again uh, before the cup final. So it, will, will that give Shamrock Rovers the edge? Um, you can't be saying that. Who wants it a bit more? It's a cup final. They surely want yeah, it as much as the other. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, Johnny, if you look at last year as well with Rovers, I just think Rovers, sometimes if you've won the league and the other team hasn't had any silverware, there's a, mm-hmm. just that little bit more drive sometimes mm-hmm. by, the, by the other team. I think there's a slight thing with Dundalk. They've played in the Aviva, an empty Aviva, a couple of times now. And that could be a little, a little, a little factor as well. But uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it it'll hopefully be a great day. We're we're still waiting to see whether we'll actually get an invitation to go or not. I know the protocols in regards to the amount of people that can go to the final. Oh, geez, no, no, there are only only fifty thousand seats. You wouldn't be able to space it out. It's a uh, it's a strange one. I mean, just the general picture. I mean, because we're obviously hoping like this is as much as Dundalk play Arsenal next week. You know, the the season finishes, I suppose, and for you know, domestically on, on Sunday. Um, and I, like, I was speaking to a couple of people yesterday since I've been back to work and, you know, someone put it in a very straightforward way to me that with 2021 at the moment, like there's there's no title sponsor, there's no government funding secured, um, there's, you know, question marks still around, you know, media rights and, and, and structure and this. Like, you'd obviously know how members are feeling, Stephen. Like, what, what type of time you think we're heading into here for, for players in the league in the next couple of months? And, and are you having discussions with sort of official people? Because I know the FBI now speak to you these days, unlike they did in the past. Um, you know, what, what sort of vibe are you getting about 2021 for people? Yeah, I, I suppose, for, first of all, um, I, I think it's been a fair achievement to finish the season. I think you've got to give credit to the clubs um, and, and the FBI and obviously the players 
for getting us to the end of the season in one piece and, and we've got one more game to go. So I think credit has to be given uh, on that sort of thing. So I think heading into next season, I think the clubs have been told to budget on what they got last season on a 17-game season. Um, so that's going to be difficult, obviously, we're into 30-odd games, hopefully, uh, for the season ahead. It looks like the season will kick off two weeks later. It looks like it will kick off on the, on the 26th of Feb and, and roll to the 7th for the cup final on the 7th. Um, so it's at, at this moment in time, um, you, would, you would like to think that the government will come with the funding when approached by the FAI to, 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 to fill the gap between um, what they received last year for a 17-game season and what a full season would be this year. So again, there'll be discussions with government over the next couple of weeks to ensure that um, the clubs know fully what the budget is for the year ahead. A lot of the clubs, Dan, will be able to make a, a certain amount of signings, but for a full squad, I don't know whether that's the finances are in place or uh, the, the, the foresight in regards to where that, what the exact money will be. So I think you've seen a lot of the clubs signing players as it is. Uh, we run a, a, a training camp online this year with Dean Clark, which starts the day after the cup final to try and keep the players in shape and, and hopefully run a showcase game at the start of January. But um, I, I think in general, the players are optimistic in regards to next season. The one point you made is no sponsor for the league, no sponsor for the FAI Cup, no sponsor of the women's side of the game either. So obviously we have a new CEO who's only in, only in the door. I've yet to speak to him. I hope to speak to him next week um, and what his plans are in regards to the development of the game. Because I saw the piece, Dan, you wrote today around Brexit and around you know, young players and everything else. With England, we still have to see what way that's going to play out because I still think our league is going to be vitally important uh, for the short term and, and medium term uh, in regards to our international team. As we touched on earlier, our league is becoming more and more important as each year goes by. And if Brexit comes and our young players can't go to England, um, our league is going to become even more important. Even though, as the, I mean, on that, the point is that it does seem that all the clubs in England have been given uh, some kind of nod that they are okay to keep signing players from Ireland age 16 and over, which, I mean, I think we've had discussions about this previously, and uh, a lot of us didn't think this was going to happen. And even some people who I've spoken to who've been receiving calls haven't really been able to establish um, why, why this is happening. And I went to the English FA yesterday for comment, and they said they were still talking to FIFA uh, about it, yet it does seem that, that clubs legally have been told they can pursue it. I don't know, wasn't really expecting to talk about this, but can you shed any light on this? Or yeah, you... I, uh, yeah, no, I spoke to the PFA on it, and the PFA were clear to me that, you know, the common, the common, uh, the movement of, of people between Ireland and England was going to allow it. But again, if you speak to the legal people, they're saying to you, well, hold on, from a FIFA rules perspective, FIFA would have to change the rules, and they don't see mm. FIFA change the rules just specifically for Ireland. So, yes, um, yeah. And, and that seems to be on the legal, like I spoke to Stuart Kilhooley earlier, and Stuart's looked there from a legal perspective and just can't see how FIFA are going to make one, one change just for us. So um, mm. it's, it, it, I just, personally, I can't see it, but there's so much talk around it and it makes you believe that something can be trashed out, but, um, but I just don't see FIFA changing just, the rules just for us. Just, just on that, because Brexit was one of these things that everyone voted for thinking it wouldn't happen type of thing, and now the repercussions are like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? But from an Irish perspective, say if it does come to pass that the minors can't go over until they are of that age and they have to be dealt with here and, and coached here, how ready is the League of Ireland to actually put on proper academies and with the help of the 13s, 15s, 17s and the 19s league, that's fine. But how ready is it? You look at, say, the likes of Kelleher playing for Liverpool last night, players that have been educated at a, all the way through at a top level. How ready are we in Ireland to, to bridge the gap between 
an Irish club bringing them on and an English club bringing them on. We're a good bit off that. Like, if we're being realistic, we're a good bit off uh, the facilities and everything else. Now, the reality on it is, is we, we are still producing players. Like, we're still producing the Dawson, the Voyage, the Danny Grants, the Brandon Cavins are still coming through. Um, it's, it's just the structure of what we've got here isn't at the level that it's at in the UK. So we don't have full-time, uh, full-time coaches, uh, academy coaches. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the players training in the mornings and going to school in the afternoons. But that's not something that we can create here. Like, uh, with a bit of imagination and some investments, it's cap- we're capable of doing it. Do we need the governments. We'd absolutely need the government. Absolutely. But, but it needs a joined up thinking. It needs everybody to get around the table and say, okay. It, and that's why I always felt it would be a positive for us if Brexit came in and our young players couldn't go. I, I always felt, Johnny, and I've had chats with Dan for a long time over this, players going at 15 and 16 years of age to England is crazy. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. And the bizarre thing, but Johnny, Johnny, the bizarre thing. Yeah. We'll have Mark Doyle on later. Mark Doyle has come through underage at Drogheda, and that's that's before any of this, you know, really started off. Like there is there is progress being made, Stephen, but like I guess it's a massive bridge to gap. Gap. To, it's a massive uh, bridge between us and where we should be. But, but can I just come in there though as well? I mean, I, I you know, from speaking to some people who are involved, and they say there's, there's a lot we can look at, and even even with our issues around regis- registering younger players, you know, um, for a longer period of time. Um, right. because, because Gavin Bazunu was like a great success story for Shamrock Rovers. They had him on a professional contract, but obviously a lot of the young players now have agents that are encouraging them not to do that. Yeah. Uh, and the argument would be that we should have longer registration periods at underage level, that the likes of Kevin Zeffi and people like that are committed to clubs for longer than one year yeah. at a time. But it is uh, a commitment that, coming that to the right position. Yeah. But, that, but Dan, that, that's fine, right? Looking for that commitment from the club, right? But the, sorry, looking for the player to have a longer registration period. But you've got to be committing something to the player for him to give you that. So, so mm. whether that's education, what, whatever that is. So, so if you're saying fair to, point. Yeah, to fair a young point. player that hey, I want you to have a longer registration period, was absolutely. So what are you going to do then for me? Like I look at the model that Shamrock Rovers have got and so, a lot of the players are, are studying. Obviously, they have a link to a college. So to, for a player to give his registration, as an amateur for two or three years, you'd want to be ensuring that there's more than just the football in it, that you're looking after his education, you're looking after everything for him. Uh, and that's yeah. that, that Shamrock Rovers has done. I wouldn't be down for the long-term registration. With, with, like, there has to be a structure around it. To, no, that's to, fair. Yeah. You know. yeah. No, that's, that's make, a very fair point. Like, what do you make of it, Pico? Like, I imagine as a Shamrock Rovers player, you're, you're very conscious of that, that academy and, the, and obviously the Shamrock Rovers project to bring players through and the fact that you're part of a big cog here. Yeah, look, I, I just think the development of players is massive. And I think, obviously, yeah, there is the, the, the trail of going to the UK, like, and obviously making it big. Like, but the, the percentage of that happening, like, is so low. Like, I think if you're able to kind of, like, go away, like, after playing men's football here, like, your chances of making it over in England definitely increases, like, and it goes up. Like, so my, my kind of view on it is, like, if you're going away to England at, at 15, 16 you still have to play academy football for another couple of years maybe five like up until mm. 23 like when you're an 18 year old or 17 year old and you make a, a first team debut or play a few games in the uh, league of Ireland, like, you're a much better prospect going over there you've got this experience behind you like i know you've mentioned gavin bazuna already like but gav played some league games for us and played in europa league like how many people in the academy uh in the uk say they, they 
they've done that. Like so, it's it's a it's a great opportunity for players to learn the learn the trade and really develop playing men's football. Well, that, that's that's the big thing that we have in this country. In that, like, he got massive exposure from that that he wouldn't really have gotten anywhere else. We'll say. And if you have Shamrock Rovers, and Dan often makes his point about the optics, but if you have Shamrock Rovers playing Dundalk as you did earlier this season in in a full stadium, and people see that, and they see, say, for example, Bazunas playing in goal in that game, or they see Brandon Kavanagh as playing these young players. That is a sh- like you are playing, and you're also developing as a player probably more than you would if you're playing like kids or whatever at a sort of a half half arse level, if you want for one for a better word. Of course, yeah, and it's the, it's the competitiveness of it. Like I don't know how competitive like academy football is because obviously you're working, you're trying to develop like a certain style of play and and trying to develop players like and. You could argue the result isn't necessarily the most important thing. Whether you come on, like, to say against Dundalk in that game, like, the result is massive there. That result, that win for us was massive in terms of how we went to kick on in the rest of the league. Like, so uh, if you're a young player and you get to experience even five minutes of that, ten minutes of that, like, that'll that'll do massive, uh, massive work for your development. Like, I really, really encourage you. Like, and you'll, you'll learn things about the game that you wouldn't necessarily learn in an academy game or in an academy. Before we let you go, Stephen, actually, just. Uh, just to go back to that 2021 point, I mean, uh, so we, we've, we've lost a couple of, well, more full-time operations from the, the, the Premier Division. Um, yeah. We've got Longford and Drada coming up who are more, um, I guess, part-time or even some amateur arrangements. I mean, what does this mean for, I don't know, we've spoken before about, I suppose, the, I think you would obviously have a desire for a minimum number of professionals at, at a Premier Division club. I mean, what's, how are things looking for 2021 with the profile? And I, and I guess as well on that though, like are you hearing anecdotally of, of offers being down on account of, of COVID around the league? Yeah. yeah, I suppose first off, yeah, look at you Lewis Cork City, which are are get relegated. They're a full time operation, and uh, they're replaced by by Drogheda, who which are obviously a, a part time club who've done unbelievably well to get up. And Tim has done a done a great job, and Connor Howie and everybody else at the club has done a great have done a brilliant job but the reality is we're losing a full-time team in the Premier Division and replacing it with a part-time team um, and then obviously Shelbourne get relegated um, who the plans were that they were going to go full-time with 16 or 17 professional players and they're replaced by Longford again another club who have done unbelievably well under Dara to get up a chairman who's put a lot of time and effort into the club and um, so you can't knock that but the reality is, is, is that you're basically losing two full-time teams or two part-time teams. I suppose our frustration f- uh, from, from an office perspective is there needs to be a minimum amount of professionals at every club if we're going to grow the league. Because what are we offering this 13, 14, 15? We were talking about it earlier and, and we're chatting about you know, young players and having that option to go to England or that to be the only option. But there's no point in, in asking young players to stay here. And then when they, when they break into a first team, they've no opportunity to become a professional because financially they can't be because the clubs that are there don't have the money. So, so what are we offering young players? And that's where we have to develop the league to be, to be f- from a young player's point of view, that they can aspire to be professionals here. But for that to work, we have to have the infrastructure and the finance to be able to offer these young players them opportunities to be full-time professionals. Yeah, because we had a situation the other day where we had an 11 nil live on television. Now, I appreciate Athlone are at the bottom of the first division and they hadn't played for four weeks. And, you know, I, let's not get too carried away about, about one result. But what it does show is that there's, like, obviously, when you have a full-time team very much tuned up, you know, how good they can be relative to a team who just doesn't, who hasn't anywhere near them. And that would be my slight fear. I know people will point to the playoff and, and how Longford got up. But, I mean, Chelsea somehow lost to Athlone. They, they, 
Gels fell off a cliff in the final weeks of the season. It's very hard to get your head around what happened. Like, the, the, the sort of, I don't know when you're talking to Jonathan Hill or, what, or what, what you plan to say, but obviously there is going to be, there is this obvious inequality in the league that we're going to have next year, a situation where at one end of the league, we're going to have a full-time team, you know, and, and players like Pico and Rovers and the Dock and whoever who have everything going for them. And we're going to have players in the same division who are basically on expenses um, because it's probably not worth it for them to, to, to go professional if they're getting a bit of social welfare and expenses relative to what they can pay. Like, it's a massive inequality within our league, and it doesn't really help us. And that's, maybe that's my opinion coming across it. But, like, is this something you can raise? Is this just a funding issue, full stop? Or how do we actually address it? It's one thing to say we want a minimum number of professionals. I, I, I understand that aim. But, but how do we actually get to it? Because these clubs will say, well, this is more economical for us to do it this way. Yeah, no, and I understand that. It may be economical for the players as well that it may suit them to, to, to have them arranged in the place. But if you want to have a professional league, you've got to have standards. And, and at the moment, we don't have that standard. Uh, we don't have, um, if you want to play in the Premier Division, here's the criteria. You must have 11 professional players. And if you can't uh, pay 11 professional players to play in the Premier Division, well, then the division you have to compete in is the first division. And that is, it's a hard thing to say, but that's the reality where their league needs to go. We're going to really push it on. And I'm expecting, like Jonathan Hill's coming from, obviously he's come from the FA in England, obviously knows how the league's run there. I, I, I would expect him to be very surprised at how our league is actually structured. And it's something for years that it's, it's been a bugbear of mine, but I understood for a very long time we need to have teams in the league. And if you start putting in criteria straight away, we're going to lose teams. So we're saying incrementally we need to make it better. But again, that only comes by everybody having a, having a, a plan and a goal where we're all working behind it. Like my frustrations this year, Dan, is there's no review of what's just gone on. There's no plan to where we're going. There's nothing. Mm. There's no discussions. Like I've had to put this to the board of the FAI. Where is the platform for the players to discuss how we make it better? How do we make our league better? There's no review, no look back, no committees, nothing for us to have that discussion. Just and, briefly, do you think he is going to make a big difference coming from the English background where like for years and years and years, you don't get into the, the fourth tier in England of Leicester Stadium is well, well up to scratch. And like licensing has been completely laughable over here. So how does he bridge that gap? Yeah, well, I think first, first of all, the reason he's brought in is from his commercial background. And, mm. and we need to, to bring in revenue into the association. I think that's the reason that, that's the fundamental reason why he's got the job. So that's one of his, one of his key key points when he comes in is to try and get a sponsor for the league. Let's look at the TV deal. I, I think that's going to be the base of what he comes in first. But I think long-term he's got to look at the professional game and where we're going. And as I said to you, have a plan. There is no plan. We just limp from season to season. Like in fairness to Mark Scanlon, he's only in the door. He's, he's firefighting at the moment. Um, and, and it is difficult. But there has to be a clear vision of where we want to go. And I don't see that at the moment. And, and it's unfortunate. The new, the new FAI, as we call it, um, hasn't had that opportunity because of COVID to really put its plans in place. The problem I have is I just don't know where the platform is for us all to bring these forward. Like, it, it's terrible, uh, Johnny, to say that we don't have a situation where we can sit with the clubs and try and make things better. There's no platform mm. to have that discussion, which is hugely frustrating for myself and Pico and all the players in the league who just want to make it better. And not everything is about money. Mm. You know, like little things like, like, for example, appealing a red card. Like, that's not a big deal, but we can't do that in this, in this league. Like, every other league in Europe, you can appeal. I can't do it here. There's little things that we can just be better at. And, and that comes with dialogue and communication. And that's something that I'm hopeful that the new FEI will bring to the table 
and that there's a new committee structure, there's a new General Assembly, council has been, has been got rid of and a new General Assembly. We're still waiting on all these details. Like I'm hearing lots of words and lots of noise, but there's actually no action yet. And it's hugely frustrating for people within the game that where, where is the new assembly? What are the committee structures going to be like? And are the committees um, going to be active? And are they going to be able to drive the game forward? And that's what we're all waiting for. Yeah, I mean, just finally, Pico, I mean, as a player, like you're obviously active within the union, so you've shown an interest. I mean, would you appreciate the chance just to have a voice, as Stephen says, on, on these issues, on these things? Of course, yeah. Uh, there's a number of things we've talked about throughout the year and probably a few years ongoing now at this stage. Like, just to be able to, to sit down with people and voice, like, uh, like you say, concerns or opinions, like, and just be heard, like, and if something can be done, even change one thing, well, we'd say that as a massive... Uh, a massive opportunity for us to maybe have this dialogue in an ongoing period and we might get little changes here and there like which could be massive for our league as Stephen says it's, it's some of the things aren't even big like but it's these little changes that will take our league to the next level and take, take it more serious yeah it's just general general like general matters like what 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 concerns you like what are the things you you would like to see addressed well yeah like some of them would be like financial then as well like I think um like there's some teams that don't pay for pre-season which I just I just don't understand. You expect the lads to show up training like uh where it's where in the league where some teams are being paid to be in a training and other teams aren't. It's just it doesn't make sense to me. Like and I think there's one ongoing as well with, with minimum wages and that like which is which is down the down the road. But I think the big thing for me is like how you expect the like players to show up for six weeks, play for free, uh, and then just we'll start paying you once the season starts. Like it's it doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, sure. Yeah, listen, lads. We we we've run out of time pretty much. PFA Ireland, the uh, general secretary Stephen McGuinness and Pico Lopez. Pico, best of luck. Um, Sunday, you're going to look a bit different by then, by all accounts. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, as <laughs> you. I, I I prefer it as it is actually. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I actually can't wait for the game. Pity there's in the crowd there. It's going to be a cracker. Stephen McGuinness, hopefully you'll be there. Yeah, hopefully I'll see you, Johnny. I'm waiting for the FBI to confirm whether we'll be in it. If not, I may be coming back on to the podcast to have a rant about it. But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, lads. Cheers, man. Thanks, lads. Lads. thanks, thanks very much. much. Yeah, thanks very much to the lads. It's now over to two of our other guests. Uh, this week, our other two guests, Mark Doyle, who's nominated for First Division Player of the Year, and Danny Grant, who's not only nominated for the Player of the Year, but is also nominated for the Young Player of the Year. Um, it would be, you know, and we, we mentioned earlier, Danny, that Brandon Kavanagh has gotten two nominations as well. So it would be like a little bit disappointing. You said, yeah, I got two of the three nominations, but I actually didn't win any of them. So you better win something anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully I win something. Yeah, um, it's obviously good to to not just be nominated for one, but two is is better. But yeah, obviously I want to win one. Um, there's, talk, there's talk you're very disappointed that you can't put on the tin of fruit though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It wouldn't have been yellow now. I would have went for a black one myself. But uh, yeah, no, I'm feeling I can't get can't get a tux on. Yeah, it's been a great year for you. I mean, it's it's it's. A, we'll, we'll start with you, Danny. But like, I mean, it's. I mean, obviously it's a great year. You've been voted by your your fellow pros, but um. I mean, do, do you does do you feel like you've got to another level? I suppose we asked this the same question to Pico Lopez earlier. Do you feel yourself that you've gone to another level this year in your performance? Um, yeah, it's definitely developed a lot from last year. Um, last year, I even spoke to a few people and they just said that they could see that I was a decent player, but physically, I was probably nowhere near the level for for senior, especially in the League of Ireland. It's it's really physical and that. So last year, I think it was more physical that I've developed this year. Um, I was obviously hitting the gym um, in the last few months. So I think I've just came on in that, that regard kind of physically. And yeah, I think I've pushed on a bit this year. 
I mean, the under yeah. 21 recognition as well. I mean, you've been in and around that. Um, you had a good outing in Europe, which, I mean, it, you could have won that game. I mean, is there, is there, like, what are the highlights of the year for you? I mean, if people talk to you about, you know, big moments of the year, what stands out? Um, obviously, the hat trick, my first career hat trick was for me personally, probably my favourite moment. Um, I love the European game, just the whole going away with the boys because I've, I've been away with 21s and that, but I haven't really been away with the Bowes team. We actually went, uh, was it two years ago, to Scotland and I got sick, so I didn't even play that game. So I didn't get to wait, mm. go away with the boys. Um, so yeah, it was the first time I've been away with the boys. I loved that Europa League experience and I thought we were actually really good and we were very unlucky not to, not to go through to the next yeah, round, so yeah. I liked that. And, You'd kind of forget actually that, sorry, Danny. You'd forget with all the Dundalk um, games and, you know, obviously Shamrock Rovers playing Milan. Um, you'd forget how well Bowes actually played that night and how close he got. I know, yeah. And we, I was only looking back out on a bit of a weird one. I was looking at their results just to see how they got on. And they, I think they beat a, a big club the round after us. And then they, they were 1 0 up then in, the, in the, the qualifier for Hervart to actually get into the Europa League. So mm. they're obviously a really good side. And, you know, they think their owner spoke to our owner about their average wage and stuff, and it just blew the League of Ireland out of water. So uh, to even to keep up with them, bring them to the extra time, and, and we actually had a couple of chances, and, and then I went to penalties, and yeah, we we're awful unlucky. So I think uh, people might forget how, how kind of well we done. We were a bit unlucky. Yeah, they they beat they beat a French side on penalties. Stad Reims. I think they were playing, that French team were were playing PSG or something the week before. Yeah, it's mm. right, mm. and and then they they lost the standard Liège just in the, mm. the final round. So. They were almost there. Now, I mean, we'll get to the, I don't know, is it the million dollar question or million pound question or whatever it is. But what what's the story? I mean, I, you obviously have a bit of interest. I know there's a bit of chat about Hull City. I mean, where do you stand on your future at this stage? I know it's, it's a tough one, but, you know, people would be screaming <laughs> us to ask it if we didn't ask it. Actually, so we Keith, have to ask no, it. Keith Long texted me last night and he said, just make sure he tells me what he's going to do. <laughs> um, no, it's, to be honest, I've never hit the, the fact that I probably want to test myself in England and I want to try to get to England. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at that, some opportunities over in England. Um, I've obviously spoke to Keith about, about staying up always. And, you know, Keith knows how much that the, the club means to me. I've been here for, I think, four or five years now. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably looking to get to England. Um, and if it doesn't happen this year, that's, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. It, it can happen next year, but that's, that's the options I'm looking at. Do you feel it's the right time for you to go? Um, I think so, probably. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. It's you know, people people have different opinions. Obviously, Keith and Trevor probably say to me that I can develop more in Ireland, which I probably mm. can. And then you know, other people will say make hay or the sun shine. And so, I may, I'm, I don't know. To be honest, it's a, it's a, that's a decision that I have to make. Is is now the right time, or or do I need another year here or what? But, well, uh, well, on on that then, what do you have to offer like uh, an English club that some English winger doesn't have to offer? Um. Obviously, I'll have to. I probably won't walk into to any team in England. I understand that, but you know, I think maybe potential and um, that I can develop and, and keep getting better. Because I think of for the last few years, I've I've constantly just got a little bit better every year. And if I keep doing that, you know, I don't know at the level I can play. I'm not sure. Um, what can I offer a team? I suppose I've got goals this year. Hopefully, I could I could offer a team goals. Um, and kind of. Dribbling, I think I'm obviously good in, in 1v1s is probably my strength. So maybe that, that kind of attacking in 1v1 in, in fullback areas. It's a bit of a strange one because if you do leave Bowes, I mean, as you said, you've had a great time there. I know you're a big favourite with the, the fans there. 
Uh, I think your mother is quite popular with, with yeah, the fans through yeah. some of her social media activity, which is not a sentence I ever expected to use on the podcast. Oh, no. you know, we, 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 we've said it. Like, I mean, listen, you just got to go on with your, your life and do what you got to do. And I think people completely understand that. But it's a bit, a bit of a shame if you don't get to say goodbye. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of if it turns out that your last game in front of fans was pre-lockdown, it, it, just, may, it just may just turn out to be that way. Yeah, no, it would, it would be a... Wouldn't be ideal that I, I haven't got to play in front of a, a full Jody, a packed out Jody in a long time. Um, but I suppose we just that's just the times we live in, and there's lots of things that you know people are winning trophies. Liverpool have won their first league in 20 years, and they didn't get to celebrate it in front of their fans. So it's just just kind of football this year, and that's that's the way the pandemic is. Obviously, I would have loved to to say good, goodbye to both fans if if I'm not there last or next year, but that's just the way it is. Just is your mother telling you to stay? Is your mother telling you to stay? Is she is she arguing for the don't don't go, don't leave me? Yeah, she told me she's gonna hide my suitcase there last week. <laughs> just just in, in terms of um, in terms of players that have gone, three that come to mind, Zach El Buzedi, who hasn't like in yet, <clears throat> then you've Sadlier as well, and obviously uh, Ronan Curtis. So all three players not entirely dissimilar to you, I guess. Yeah, no, the, I I know Zach very well and and I actually know Kieran Sadler well as well because he is the same agent as me, so I speak to him. And um, yeah, they're, they're actually quite similar. I think Zach is probably the most similar to me in terms of how he plays, and he's he's, he's a good player, Zach. But he's he's struggling to get in the Lincoln team at the minute as well. So that shows you how tough it is. I know I understand that it's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, if I go to England, I'm not going to walk into any team. So I'll have to work very hard and and kind of bide my time until until I get an opportunity. Just on that, like, what's it like for Zach um, in a situation like that where um, you're, you're quickly, people start talking about you, maybe, oh, do you see El Buzedi's not getting in there and you think he would have done better, like, but it's really competitive over there. Yeah, no, I'd say it's difficult for him. I, I, I spoke to him and he just, to be fair, he's a ground a lot. He just said he's just waiting for an opportunity and when he needs, he's just waiting for that. Um, He's a good player. To be fair, what you're speaking about, but people start to, to speak about, you know, why is he not in there? I'm like that as well. I've only I only said it to, to my brother last week. You know, Zach was, was unreal when he was in Ireland. Now he's, he's not in, even in the team. But I think that's just kind of the environment. If a team's winning, you know, for, that's football. If a team is winning, you're not going to take players out and, and things like that. So I'm sure you will get an opportunity and he, he's a good enough player to, to take the opportunity. Yeah, and Mark Doyle uh, is not the first Mark Doyle, of course, we had on the show. The last time we did Mark Doyle on the show, he's an Italian-based Irish journalist I used to work with who was discussing AC Milan. But this Mark Doyle is uh, of far greater ilk and stature, really. He's uh, <laughs> one of the first players that was signed back for Drada. I have to say, I did a bit of looking up uh, about you before the show, Mark, was on to Tim Clancy. Didn't realise you're actually five years now uh, at Drada. You're from Swords, f- fairly close to Drada as well, not, not far down the road. And it's been a great journey for you. And one of the first players signed back this season by Tim yeah um, I went to the open trials under 17s first time I went, ever went up to Drotta and just uh, got signed luckily enough with the 17s and then just from there I've just worked my way up and uh, yeah I'd like to sign back again um, Tim has a lot of faith in me and uh, I feel like over the last three years we've been pushing to get up now with Tim and uh, I think finally we did it this year then I think we deserved it and we're the best team in the league, and I think that showed at the end. And open trials, you say. So, like, where were you before that? Where had you played your your schoolboy football when that chance came up? I played at home farm. I was only ever on the major team at home farm. I didn't even play at the Premier team. And then I went to Glade North 
and just in the NDSL uh, under 16s, I think it was. Um, and uh, puts it just up, only up in Balbriggan. Um, but that like, wasn't a great level, obviously. Um, but I wanted to push on after home farm and that. Um, and uh, then I just seen that the open trials were on. And, but I didn't want to get into a League of Ireland club to try and push into a senior setup then. So it worked out, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, so like, would you describe yourself as a bit of a late developer then if you, if you weren't necessarily like playing at the outstanding schoolboy level? Or where you just didn't get the breaks at that stage, or what was your your view on it? Yeah, probably like developer, but I mean, like I always thought when I was younger, I should have been playing and I should have been on the best team, but it just wasn't. So, mm. and, like, it's just, I like developer as well, kind of, but like I think I probably should have been playing when I was younger on the best teams or whatever, but I wasn't. But sure, it worked out in the end, I suppose. Yeah, because I, sure, there's, there's all different ways to get there. I mean, like Danny, you were banger Celtic as well. Like you, you didn't necessarily go through the banger Celtic. It was banger Celtic, sure. Banger Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a banger, all right, but he's playing for banger Celtic. <laughs> but like, like your, your own background, Danny. Like as well. Like it wasn't sort of, you know, the a lot of lads just are, are sort of Belvedere or Joey's or whatever, and they go to, you know, some of them go to England or whatever. You, you like you took a slightly different route. Yeah, no, I think I'd be similar to Mark. I think I'm definitely a late developer. Um, to be fair, I'd say that a good team it was a good team, but I didn't play. Um, for the first year or two, I, I played, and then kind of just better players came in. I was still quite small at Cherry Orchard, and like half of that Cherry Orchard team went away. And the likes of Tyreek was back, went to Man City. Um, Aaron O'Driscoll went away to Man City. A lot of them went away. And and then... Uh, the kind of the third year into my career at Cherry Orchard, I just didn't play, so I just felt like I had to leave. And I went to Crumlin just to literally play with my mates. And then I went to Bangor and Lancer Senior League, um, which I think actually helped me probably the most out of anything in my, in my career, just to get that touch of, of senior football when I was only 16, 17. Yeah, I mean, Mark, for you, like, you know, once you got up to men's football level, I mean, the first division is, uh, like, a lot of young players in it, but I imagine there's still a lot of learning experiences in it as well like playing for points and some older pros like how how have you improved from that experience yeah well i think uh, i think my debut was 17 in the first division i think we were playing water for that home and pete man was there he threw me on and uh i played about five minutes at the end but um didn't really have a chance to do anything but I remember the next week then we played against Athlone and I gave the, he came on again, gave the ball away when we were 1-0 up, way up the end of the pitch, but they went down the other end and scored. I was just thinking, please don't score like that way. <laughs> I got a bit of a hiding off Pete then and uh, just kind of learned from that, like the, the importance of points and men's football and you're not just playing for, uh, just to get on, just to get a run out like that. You're brought on for a reason and um, and how important it is um, to keep the ball not try to take lads on when you're one nil up in the corner or whatever but uh, yeah I lost the ball and went down and scored so I suppose I learned a lot from that I, I, I'm not going to lie now I do think you're an extremely well caught side with the two lads Kevin and Tim there but is that fair to say or have they brought you on to a new level because you've had an absolutely outstanding season if I'm right in terms of your goal scoring record uh, what is it 12 league goals this season 13 I think 13, okay, that's yeah. uh, done my research 13, there. 18. Anyway, get back to the question. Sorry, but, um, so, uh, so Tim, Tim and Kev, how important have they been? Well, last um, season it was. Yeah, um, how important have they been for the fact that you've gotten promoted but wouldn't have been the biggest budget in the league by any stretch and for your own personal development as well? 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, they have a lot of faith in me, like and the players that we have. And um, I think they they're not afraid to play young players either, and they just kind of let you play with a bit of freedom. Um, but coaching side of things are great, you know. We always work on and train, and whenever whoever we're playing, you know, uh, we'll research them, and they'll have everything you need to know about them. And um, on the day, basically, you just you know, once the manager believes in you, I think you you have a great chance. Then, like you know, you're gonna play, and you know that uh, no matter kind of how you play, he trusts you. So you just go on and play then at the best of your ability, and. Uh, show what you can do and he's given me that chance now I think I've played every league and we've been available for now for three years on the team so um, he obviously believes in me and that's great for me I put it to the two of you actually how important is man management? Yeah it's, it's very important yeah I think me man management particularly from Trevor he, he's worked with me a lot and Keith kind of does, would, would handle the group obviously more Trevor has worked with me a lot and just just kind of movements and double movements and how to actually get myself on the ball. Obviously, when you're on the ball, it's it's kind of that's know, not man management. That's coaching. Oh well, man. All right. Well, then Keith will do more than man. That's what I'm saying. Then. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get all mixed up there. So Trevor, <laughs> Cron- <laughs> so Trevor. Cron- in fairness, like this, if ever there's a double act, it is these this pair. Know, and like, yeah. If Crawley obviously has a. Everyone was talking about this long ago about how he's coaching and that, but he's obviously developed you um, the way you're talking there. Yeah, no, yeah, he's Travis helped me a lot, just mostly to get on the ball and just how where where I need to angle, where I need my movements and stuff, how to get on the ball. But yeah, man management, Keith is, is really, really good. Obviously, I can't speak about Tim at Drive, I don't know him, but yeah, Keith is, is a brilliant man manager as well. I think that's why both do so well on, on a limited budget. Um, back to you, Mark. If 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 uh, you can answer the same question. Yeah, well, I think Tim and Kev, like I think everyone would say at Drogheda, and um, that they like them. You know, they're great. Where everybody, like even if you're not playing, I think the lads will appreciate them. Whether it's having a chat with them, whether they're not playing or whatever it is, but um, the man management, I mean, they just they believe in you. That's the most thing. The confidence. Uh, that's the most important thing for me. And um, when manager trusts you, and uh, yeah, they always pulling you for a chat, whatever it is, letting you know what you're doing well and what you can improve on and uh, how much I appreciate it. So that's obviously great. Yeah, what what do you make the the, the other nominations in the in the first division this season? And um, Brandon Kavanagh was kind of a uh, an obvious one, I suppose. It was a surprise to probably a lot of people how uh, many games he actually played for, you know, the second team Rovers and also um, Yo-Yo Maddie who was banging in the goals to UCD. Yeah, well, I think Brandon was, every time we played him anyway, he was very good. Um, I know he scored twice against us when we beat them 3-2 at home. And uh, he whipped in a couple of corners when we played them away as well that they scored from, so in the first few minutes. Um, so he was always good against us. And uh, I don't think, I don't think Yo-Yo scored against us, but every time we checked live score on the weekend, he had a goal. So he was banging them in. Him and Colin Whelan, two of them up front, the way they play with the, the 3-5-2, they had a... Uh, had the two boards up front and I think Colin Whelan got 13 as well or maybe 12 so the two of them played up top together they were great and they caused a lot of problems scored a lot of goals yeah the, the signing of um, young uh, Darren Markey as well they announced the other day Drogheda have probably been nearly the big, the busiest team in the Premier Division with re-signs but Darren Markey coming in is a big boost as well yeah um, I think uh, last year at times we didn't create a lot of chances from midfield um, so hopefully he'd play there in the attacking midfield position um, and create a few chances for the lads up front. But um, yeah, he's we've well, played against him a good few times now, and whether it's just friendlies or whatever. But 
every time you play him, he looks looks quality. You know, he's great on the ball and um, always looks to create chances. So hopefully, I'll benefit from that and the other attacking players will as well. Yeah, just over to you, Danny. The um introduction of uh, players at Bowes this season even if you go and obviously uh, you lost Twardek during the season as well Bowes will lose players but just uh, promise Oma Cherry coming in and Dawson Devoy as well who's obviously nominated um, I have to say I'm very excited by this kid I haven't seen an awful lot of him but he just seems to have some bit of an X factor about him Yeah I think Dawson's unreal I think he plays with a cigar um, in his mouth half the time he's just, he just doesn't even look like he's trying and it's just his quality is just unbelievable Um Wardy tells him trying to just give Dawson the ball and just let him do everything. So <laughs> that, that's yeah, a Dawson's pretty big endorsement. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, Bowers always lose players and, and they're always, you know, people always worry about them. But I know that, that, that Keith and Trevor will, will bring in new lads and you have the likes of Promise, Jack Moyle and that two good young players. Uh, I think Evan is there for a few more months next year as well. So there's plenty of young players that that'll develop more next year Jesus what What about like he came on there against against Dundalk um, I was kind of down the end of the pitch he he, he had his couple of chances or whatever um, it made me feel old but bloody hell the physique of that oh, lad from his age is absolutely <laughs> mad like I know I think is he 16 now I don't think 16. he's 16 anymore yeah he's 16 yeah. now but he could, he could easily pass for 21 um, even the, the chance you're talking about like the leap that he got mm. on the power, he got on the header. He just he doesn't look like a six, he doesn't look like a kid. He, he looks like a man playing football. So yeah, Evans a really good good player as well. Brighton have got a good player there. Yeah, they just uh, is is this the future of the League of Ireland? What both have done, albeit maybe if you you get you know clubs with money coming in, but the amount of talent that's come through we haven't even mentioned Danny Mandroyo as well players that have been playing at Bowes and um, if you do get a move or you know Evan's going to Brighton and all that you get to showcase your talent you take on good opposition you might play in Europe and you develop physically as well yeah I think it's a, a model that, that clubs will start to probably try and copy in the next few years it's, it's working for Bowes and the, the club is going in the right direction um, the players I think the recruitment that Keith or not, I think it's if it's if it's just Keith or if there's others' opinions, and I'm not sure, but the club's recruitment is just unbelievable. Whether that be getting, you know, young players that are 16, 17, or, or boys from England that are, that are coming home at, at 20, 21. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is a model that that clubs will will probably start to use, and the link with Kevin's and stuff like that mm. is is obviously working wonders for us. <clears throat> yeah, um, so, lads, it's, lads, it's been great to have you on. I mean, like Danny, obviously, we're going to just wish. Wish you the best of luck with whatever uh, comes your way in the in the coming weeks. Uh, you, you kept nicely quiet when Hull was mentioned there, so we're, we're not going to say if that means anything or is there other <laughs> options or do we see little in the background like you know a suitcase packed or I don't know what the nearest airport <laughs> is or whatever. But um, like we wish you the best of luck with it genuinely. And you, you can't you can't miss him in the airport if he's wearing that top anyway. This is an audio. He's wearing a luminous top at the moment as well. Yeah. Sort of a, <laughs> It's a high-vis tracksuit jacket, but... Uh, Just the last like, one. A last one yeah. for Mark, Dan, before, before he yeah. goes. Well, you're, you're a graduate from UCD. So you did sports business. So what what are you <coughs> thinking there in terms of... Um, I, I presumed you were on a couple of grand a week at Drada, but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in the Premier League, I would better be a couple of grand. <laughs> well, you've already, you've already uh, done your contract, I think, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, now uh, I graduated in, I think it was 27 then, but I haven't got a job from it anyway, but... I've no experience really, but it's good to have. Um, obviously, football is my main thing, so I'm uh, concentrating on that fully. But um, I'm doing a bit of coaching on the side as well, just to keep uh, keep me occupied. But uh, no, I don't. I don't even. I don't work in the industry around yet. But um, it's good. It's good to have it. 
Um, I have it behind me now for whenever I may need it. And uh, obviously, I'm not going to be retiring from Labour Ireland Rich or anything. So there'll be plenty of uh, things I'll maybe want to do then. But for the now, for the minute, like I'm, I'm just football is my main priority, you know, and I want to do as well as I can well, in that. Ne- next season, how, how close will draw to be to full time as a part time team? Like, because obviously the Bows, you think of Kenny Shields having a pop of Bows and all that, but how close will you be to a full time team? Yeah, well, I don't know what the training schedule is going to be at the minute, but it's, I'd imagine it'll be four, four or three trainings, four trainings a week in a game. So it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, we normally do a game Friday, and then I'd say it'll be in on the weekend, whether it's in the gym or recovery or whatever it is. So it's still fairly fly out, like, um, and it, with in the Premier Division as well now, there's more games obviously as well than the First Division. You play them four times, so and there's a lot of Friday, Monday games as well, which there wasn't in the First Division really. So, um, it'll be flat out with that really. Um, but in the, if you if you're working, obviously it's hard for the boys that are working nine to nine four or whatever it is eight to four. But um, the commitment from the boys is always like everyone's at training at quarter past quarter past five, half five, like start a quarter to six and. We train down till about half seven or eight. So um it's hard for the lads to come from work, but thankfully I'm just kinda of focusing on this at the minute. But um so it's easier for the likes of myself. But um yeah, it's great commitment from the boys, but we'll be close enough to close, close enough, enough to full time really. But obviously yeah. it's in the evening it's the only thing. Thank, okay, thanks well, a million, Mark. Mark. I, I think Dan's looking for a to hull and back uh, headline as well, are you, Dan? <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what the coming weeks brings us, all right? But uh, best, uh, congratulations on your nomination, lads. And, uh, thanks, lads. Yeah. Cheers. Best Cheers, lads. Thanks. Thanks a million to the two lads. Thanks to the PFA Ireland for uh, helping us out with the three guys and Stephen on the show today Dan and sadly we're uh, you've, you've, you've started a new chapter in your life fatherhood but we are coming to the end of, a, of the season sadly enough only one more League of Ireland LOI weekly uh, to come after the cup final um, and being honest like I'm not even that sure I'll go to the game I haven't applied for accreditation on Sunday because the whole I am you, you won't be going then because mm-hmm. I can tell you it's, it's tight uh, they're turning yeah. people away so uh, you will not Grant. be going to the game I'm, 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 I just I'm breaking the, the that whole, news to you live on air the whole so, experience uh, of the games with nobody there has... I'm, I'm kind of half done with it at this stage. I'm glad to watch it on the TV. That's grand. You will be there. Um, it'll be a, a rather fitting, if not entirely fitting, conclusion of the season. The two best teams, maybe, that we would imagine the two best teams... What do you mean a rather fitting? A rather fitting, if not entirely fitting, conclusion It's fitting the who's there. It's not fitting that no one is there to watch it. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and Bo's fans will be annoyed that they they did come second in the league. Yeah, the that but, I, I still think Dundalk are the second best team in the league, or well, the second they, best team in Ireland. Sorry. No, well they 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 did hammer Bo's in the semi-finals, so that gives them a bit. And it's it's been a funny old time for Dundalk really because we've seen with their European performances again, um, you know how good they can be on their day. I mean, since we've done the since our last show, what they've had the rapid Vienna uh, defeat at home, which. Um, Again, like they had opportunities in that game to get a better result, although they were still, I mean, the better side won. Um, and then you look at, you know, the Athlone game, which we discussed earlier. I mean, it was just a bit of a non-event. Uh, and then we have all this stuff going on in the background as well, where they've eventually decided to uh, do some contract talks with players. Mm. But obviously the players have, have, have good offers from elsewhere. So we'll see how much of the squad that they're going to, to actually keep hold of. So it's mm. been a sort of a... Uh, it's a weird time with the dog, and these they probably hold the key to the winter transfer market as much as, as anything. Now, as we speak here, I see 
Galway United are denied, delighted to announce that Francelli Lombardo has, yeah. has yeah. signed a new contract. And, it, and like the first division is going to be wild next year because Shell's somehow relegated. Uh, they've got Alan Reynolds as in as their assistant manager. They're looking at some good players. As Stephen said, they were going to go full time. Uh, Cork City are down. Galway are recruiting heavily. Um, the first division is going to be something else next year. Yeah, that like that's the sort of flip side of what you were saying about the loss of those two teams, the Premier. At least like the first, the first division, the the, the thing they've fallen on with the playoffs this season, I think, worked great. And uh, as much as it was a shocking in for Athlone, that even the the bottom clubs like produced some good performances and um, some young players coming through. I think there are lots to be positive about, but. Boy, am I against a 16-team league? Um, something I was half thinking about before. Oh, um, Jesus, no, no, yeah, no! Like, you no, can't, you God, can't no. have that. Like, I mean, um, unfortunately, like you know, as I said, shells fell off a cliff. Um, like, I, I wouldn't be getting carried away about overrating the first division uh, until we see how things. Oh, absolutely! Go. It's still a different league. It's like, still definitely like, a different league. Like, like you know, let's just see. Like, it's going to be challenging for Longford and Drada. Who are not like who are who are going to be quite part-time arrangements to to step up and we'll see how it goes. It needs more promotion, Dan. It needs more goals being shown on TV. Um, it needs there's a lot. There are a lot of good players. There are a lot of great goals. There Brandon, is. No, you get to see young players as well, like for what Rovers did. Brandon Cavanaugh's playing. It needs more promotion because um, little snapshots of it will do with no harm. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I got a Rovers B have applied to be in it next year, but I think there's a. A draft participa- participation agreement with me. will probably have. be playing for Shamrock Rovers soon. Is she old <laughs> enough? Or yeah, be far I was just going to yeah. say. I was just going to give a news story there before you interrupted. But uh, I think there's a draft participation agreement which forbids B teams. So I think that's a, a clash to come. In the oh wow! Weeks. That's not that's not confirmed. Um, and uh, there's 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 a lot to resolve with the league in the coming weeks. As I said, no sponsor, no uh, no clarity on a number of issues, and, and that B team. Debate, I think it's going to be one of them. I know we have Limerick, we have Treaty United wanting to come in. There's other teams expressing interest, wasn't there? Irish CFC at one St. point. St. Francis. Uh, uh, St. Francis, all sorts of stuff. And everyone wants to be in the first division. So who knows? Maybe we will have a bit of more young children playing in it. Just uh, not, not my own one at this point, <laughs> to, to be clear. To yeah, be very clear. Um, how, who wins the cup final? Who wins the cup final? Um, Ah, uh, you've got to think that the like. I, listen, Rovers have been better than the Dock this year, anyway. But you've got to think that the clear run they've had of this also helps them considerably. Now they may not need that help to win the game. Um, and I think the Dock. I'm not sure about this though. I, 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 like, I was talking to Shane Keegan, and he was just pointing out that listen, look at Dundalk's path to the final versus Shamrock Rovers. Rovers have kind of been going through the motions for ages now, though. They weren't all that impressive against Sligo. Dundalk have had some really tough games. It didn't do them any harm in 2016 when they had this mad schedule, to my mind. Well, they lost the final, though, after extra they, time. They, they, they well. did. They did, but it, they, they held on well to their form. McElhenney coming back into the team, um, I thought was massive against that loan. Granted, it was against that loan, but he was off the charts the way he was playing. It sets it up. I, 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 I think this is going to be very, very close. I, listen, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think, you know, it, it, I think it's very likely it'll go to extra time again. And I think at that oh, really? stage... I, oh, yeah. And I think at that stage, then, the freshness... I, I just have a feeling maybe Rovers after extra time. But it's not it's not a strong feeling. Um, and I, I listen, there is something in what you say. I think that the dog are getting back to a level and they probably have a level of sharpness. But it's just the turnaround is very quick. Like, if, if the game was on Monday or Tuesday, even relative to Thursday... We'll see, because I think Molde is still a big game for them. Like it's yeah. still, 
there's there's a pride aspect to Europe, and they're not. I'd be surprised if you saw them go out on Thursday and you suddenly see that they've dropped a load of players with Sunday in mind. Although it's interesting, um, uh, they're putting Nathan Duo uh, up for the press conference, which uh, doesn't mean I, it doesn't always be a sign of anything, but generally it means they're going to play that person in the game. So I wonder. Mm. Uh, although Filippo, I'm told, likes to leave it very late and keep players guessing. So who knows? But does that mean they're going to rest McMillan or Duffy or something? It, it makes you wonder. Um, but but um, it's going to be it's going to be a great game. It's just a shame no one can go to it. It's as you said. I think we haven't discussed it enough here, and I don't like to discuss it because we have a lot of listeners who can't go to games, and the last thing they want is people who are going to games complaining about the experience. But it is true. It's, it's they would it's, agree it's, after a while. It, I think they will. It's listen. I'm del- delighted to be able to go. I'm looking forward to going, but but really, it's not the same. It's not close to the same. And um, we need spectators back as soon as possible. Um, and we just hope for good news that allows that. Um, and that'll have a big say in 2021. But listen, we, we can wrap the season next week. We can reflect on it. We can talk about what it means uh, for 2021. Hopefully by then we'll have more clarity on some of the big decisions. Um, and hopefully we'll have a good cup final um, mm. to, to reflect on. Um, because, you know, it, it is still a game with a big audience. Um, albeit that the sporting schedule is very crowded at the moment. It's going to be a big occasion. Uh, in terms of a TV audience, and we hope that I, I do think that it does have the ingredients for an open game. The way both sides play, um, definitely. I think, I think it's in the dogs' interest. As much as Rovers, like Rovers, are obviously going to have a lot of the ball still, and you can see the argument for um, for 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 sitting off them at times, and and how teams have had success that way. But it'll be interesting to see what way the dogs set up because if you play with three at the back. Um, which they may or may not do, um, but you let the other side has a lot of the ball, then it happens that your wing backs end up being pegged back a lot, and that's not necessarily ideal. So I wonder, will they go to a more of a back four and more of a traditional shape? There's a few questions to discuss. Well, I, I tell you, I tell you what, yeah. I'm, what really fascinates me is Patrick McElhenney. Um, You know that the, he came on against uh, Vienna, you know, and was brilliant at times. I thought in the second half, he's clearly capable of playing at a high level in some shape or form. But now, if he starts in that midfield, the onus is on him to show what he can do taking on Jack Byrne. Because this is... Who's going to be on the ball here? Two of the most talented players probably the League of Ireland has ever seen in terms of natural ability. Um, and you always hear McElhinney mention in terms of, oh, nobody could do that. Well, McElhinney could do it. Jack Byrne could do it. Patrick McElhinney, who's been injury-ridden for so much of his career, can he literally take the bull by the horns and win the cup final for Dundalk because I think he has the talent to do that. Yeah, but, but also so much of that is dependent on on Shields and Sloggett and yeah. Gary O'Neill and McInef and, and like the platform for, for the players to do that. So, um, and if Sean Murray as well, like, I mean, I, I think McElhenney is certainly one that he looks to be peaking and you'd expect him to play, but there's decisions there. But, but um, there listen, we, we will discuss them. We will discuss them next week um, and we can reflect on the season that are you still there? I, I am still there, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, the, cup, the cup final last year, I had like a scatter of points, ended up having beers with Paul Doolan afterwards. Um, really annoyed uh, my girlfriend and her mother at the time because I'd ordered an Indian. The Indian arrived in at completely the wrong address. So I, And then when it did arrive, there was no rice. So about two hours later, um, full to the gills after the cup final and a chat with Paul Doolan, I arrived back for a cold Indian. Won't be the same in 2020. Did Dooley come back with you? 
No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Oh, he wouldn't be. Man. I'd say. I'd say he wouldn't be impressed by a cold food. I'd say he's a man no. of unrelenting high standards. Absolutely. Thanks a million to uh, the PF, the PFA Ireland again for uh, that show, and uh, we will be back uh, for the final show of an utterly bizarre 2020, in which Daniel became a father to the lovely Mia next week. But there are limits to your life.